Welcome to the Silver Screen Guide Podcast. Join Corbin and Alan, along with guest hosts, as they bring their love for the cinema to discuss films from every genre and decade. Learn about the history of the film, little-known facts, and insightful explorations while they enjoy discussing your favorite film. The curtain is rising and your podcast is starting. So sit back, relax, and enjoy your guide to the silver screen. Welcome listeners to the first installment in my Matrix movie review series. Today I am reviewing The Matrix. This is your host Corbin, and if you did not see the guide last week, your guide to The Matrix, that is the first link in the description below, you're going to want to go back and listen to that, because that will give you all the background information you need to know on how The Matrix film came to be. This little kind of chance idea turned into what is now a cultural phenomenon, and of course I'm going to be reviewing all three theatrically released films leading up to The Matrix Resurrections releasing here at the end of the month. And I will also be doing a bonus review for The Animatrix. I think a lot of people forget about there's somewhat of a fourth film already out there. It is streaming on HBO Max. You can pick it up on Blu-ray or digital. Not sure many people saw that one. It's kind of a conglomeration of many short films. I've already seen it, but I'm curious to revisit it. We'll be talking about that here in the coming weeks. And no matter where you're at, make sure to click subscribe, leave us five stars. That really does help the podcast get boosted in the rankings. It helps other people find us. There is a curated list of episodes below we think you'll like to listen to after this one, especially we've done some reviews that directly inspired The Matrix. You're not going to want to miss out on those reviews linked below. Timestamps if you want to jump around throughout. Of course, tons of great links down in the show notes as well. Well, back in the day when The Matrix came out, I was just over four years old when it was theatrically released. Clearly, I didn't see it in theaters. I was far too young. I didn't see it for many, many years. It was just one of those movies I was very enamored with. Um, I even created a poster in Microsoft Publisher called The Matrix Revised. I created a poster for a Matrix film that would never be. That was a lot of fun to play around and create my own film, The Matrix Revised. But nevertheless, I ultimately did end up watching all three films in a row with my dad when I got the three-film Blu-ray collection for Christmas a number of years ago. Um, I saw The Matrix for the first time, and of course, I was blown away. But back in 1999, let's say I'm old enough, let's say I'm a late teen, you know, early 20s, old enough to go see an R-rated movie. Would the trailer get me into theaters opening weekend? It's an absolute yes. Um, This trailer is incredibly exciting. The visuals look like something I haven't quite, on a scale I haven't quite seen before. The only problem I have with the trailer is it really does just look like a demo reel to get audiences into the theaters. It's way too much of just purely action scenes cut together. So the trailer's not great, but I will say it's it's exciting enough to get me into theaters. Clearly, it didn't get audiences, enough audiences into theaters that opening weekend. Eventually, word of mouth spread. Um, Go back and listen to your guide to the Matrix to find out why. But nevertheless, yeah, I'm in. All right, listeners, if you have not seen The Matrix, first of all, where have you been? But nevertheless, it is streaming on HBO Max right now. It is available on Blu-ray, on 4K, on digital. 
It's very, very easy to get your hands on this film. It is one of the best-selling home media pieces of film of all time. So go check this out. If you have not seen The Matrix, do yourself a favor. Yeah, just go check it out because I'm going to be spoiling some stuff here. So if you haven't seen it, you're going to get spoiled here in just a little bit. But once you see it, come back and click play and we'll be ready to talk about it. So right off the bat, let's just get this out of the way. Let's talk about the themes in the Matrix films and more broadly in the Matrix trilogy. We'll be talking about those, how these, you know, philosophical and religious themes influence the trilogy as a whole. When we get to each review, there is a great article by Brian Godawa who dissected the, all the philosophical elements, all the religious elements far more than I'm going to hear in my review. I'm going to link to his review and dissection of the films below. I think it's worth checking out because there is a lot, a lot in here. One of the first things we see right off the bat is um, Neo opens up a book, or should I say Thomas Anderson, opens up a book about nihilism. Yes, nihilism, the matrix, the futility of life, which of course is something that the Wachowski brothers at the time had to deal with growing up. I know one of them was very suicidal, very much what's the point of life and that stuff they were pondering in their tiny cramped apartment. And ultimately, that's where this idea for the matrix came from. Another big, big point in this is Christianity. Neo is the Messiah, the one. I know there are other religions that talk about messianic figures as well. But this one, you know, Neo is an anagram for one. There is a lot of talk about Christianity here too. A lot of talk about reincarnation-esque concepts. Um, the first to be free, and they talk about another life, how there was this original kind of Messiah and he would come again reincarnated in another body to free them once and for all. Morpheus believes that is Neo. One of my favorite things this movie lands on is free will. You know, it talks about the choice between fate and, you know, predestination. Will you have it that way? Yeah, predestination and free will. This movie lands on the side of free will. They do not have a fate because we have faith. We have faith. You don't need to know things concretely. I find that a very interesting, you know, concept, a very interesting conversation. I love theological stuff, and this movie really delves into it. It also asks the question, is ignorance bliss? And yeah, some people do would prefer to just have the wool pulled over their eyes. And I think this really, you know, I'm not going to get political here on this review, but I do think that is a place where the world is at today, you know. Are we just comfortable, comfortably numb living in this world that is, you know, may be off track in many different ways, but as long as we can just kind of hunker down and move along, will we be fine with that? I think this is a movie that we definitely should revisit for our time. It also draws a lot of literary allusions, mainly to Alice in Wonderland or Alice Through the Looking Glass, also um, Sleeping Beauty kind of a reverse Sleeping Beauty there at the end, when it's Trinity's kiss that seemingly brings Neo back to life. Now, getting into the action, the opening is pulse pounding. It is a great way to set up the mystery of the film. Who are these people? Why are they being chased? Who are they watching? You know, these characters are just iconic. You know, 
Keanu Reeves as Neo, Morpheus, Lawrence Fishburne, even Hugo Weaving as the villain here. I mean, Carrie Ann Moss, these, these characters are just so iconic. Their design with their black sunglasses, they're all dressed in black. It's, it's wonderful production design. I, I'm kind of disappointed. There's no, um, really costume design or production design. Uh, yeah, even score. I'm going to say even score, maybe Oscar nods as well, because for the time, this movie is very mature. Alan and I have reviewed a number of films from the early 2000s, around the 90s as well. Those movies, even late 2000s, are incredibly video game-esque. They're really just trying to be like an Xbox video game. And I know Xbox was coming out around this time, and I think a lot of video game developers took some inspiration here from The Matrix with their with their video game designs. But nevertheless, this film does show some incredible maturity by not going into more of those cheesy tropes or... (sighs) Just less less cinematic, more video game-esque stuff that really doesn't stand the test of time anymore. The Wachowskis also do some really incredible world building within, you know, under two and a half hours. It's kind of a fascinating dichotomy they present using a drug, a pill, to see the real world. Most people would think that you would want to get off some kind of medication in order to see the real world, but other people need medication in order to be, you know, grounded back into reality. So I think there are a lot of relatable concepts in this um, film, you know, what is real, what is not, what are we not being told, what is being withheld from us? These are questions that, you know, we shouldn't just be suspicious of, but just in general, you know, as a, you know, the meaning of life, the question of life, why are we here? What is our purpose? You know, people will want to help us and others won't want to help us. And the movie explores a lot of that as well. It also questions whether Neo is the one. This is something we explored in our review of Dune. I think that is a great question to explore. That is something we have to wrestle with. I think a lot of religions have to wrestle with that, you know, particularly Christianity. You know, Jesus would often ask, who do people say that I am? And it took a long time for his disciples to believe. Ultimately, some people never believed even to this day. I think that's where the matrix is landing here is you can't really be told you have to believe you have to have faith. Some of my favorite scenes in the movie are more so based towards the end. Um, The escape through the walls is incredibly exciting. I think the most memorable scene for most people is when they go into the building and they have the huge shoot 'em up action scene to save Morpheus. But my favorite scene in the whole movie is Neo's resurrection. I have revisited it many times. Neo is dead. He rises up. He has this like almost beatific vision where he can just see reality for what it is. He sees it all as the matrix and everything has just become too simple, too easy. He has this perfect sight where he can overcome anything. It's oh man, it it just gives me chills. It's incredible where he just stops the bullets. And I think that's what Morpheus saying is someday you won't have to dodge bullets. You'll, you can just overcome them. And of course the ending is fist pumping. I got to say, if I was in the theater, I would have been clapping. I would have been cheering. This movie is just why we go to the movies. It's incredibly exciting. Some of the technical aspects I don't want to miss out on talking about color and cinematography. A lot of the design I felt like had some very HR Giger esque stuff going on, especially when Neo's waking up from his 
gelatinous, you know, sarcophagus thing. It's really gross. Of course, there's some amazing stunt fighting here. I think that really did um, kind of bring some new stuff to American audiences. I mean, this kind of stuff had been going on with Hong Kong cinema, but seeing it translated in a big Warner Brothers movie, I think was very exciting. So yeah, going back to the cinematography and the coloring of this film, it is very dark. How I wish, how I wish I could have seen this on 4K. I've, I heard it's one of the best HDR films out there. Um, it's native 4K someday. Someday I will when I have a proper setup to properly see all of its, you know, low light 4K glory. Nevertheless, this movie is just a visual treat to look at. Not entirely original. That'll come in with my recommend sections here towards the end of the podcast. You know, my only real disappointment with this movie is because it has to world build slash explain so much, it's a little long in the tooth, particularly in the second act where there's not a lot of action. And then I feel like the third act is action heavy where it's fight scene after fight scene, almost a bit too much probably for some people, myself included. I'm kind of ready to get there to the end. I think one of the main negatives is some of the philosophy is too mishmashy. They're trying to combine too much or it gets to be a little too gobbledygook at times where it's just like, okay, you're just pulling in a lot of different philosophical elements and not having a whole lot to say about them or landing on certain ones. I think once you read Brian Godawa's article, especially, he really, really does a fantastic job dissecting all of that here in this movie. I think you'll see what I'm talking about. But to me, I'm worried they're going to either forsake it in later movies and not have anything to say, or they'll just simply try too hard. And I'm, I'm curious to see where the series will land with it. The Matrix is a tour de force in cinema. It provides action aficionados with some incredible wire foo mixed with groundbreaking visual effects. Those looking for a more intellectual film have their share with quite a few explorations into the philosophical and religious. What the Wachowskis put out really is what cinema is all about. Escaping reality for a while to go into a world we can get lost in. The brilliant part is that the story turns that idea on its head. Well, I don't think it's the 16th greatest film of all time, I do think it is and will stand the test of time as one of the greats of the 21st century. It really is a joy to revisit this film because it is so engrossing. The Matrix receives 8 stars out of 10 with a strong recommend. So as I've already mentioned, I do own the trilogy on Blu-ray. Of course, this is a pickup. I'm going to be picking it up again in the future uh, physical media 4k oh i want that oh i want it and it's it's been coming down in price it's been fairly expensive lately so my other film recommendations you check out after watching the matrix i think this one is a big duh but i know a lot of people probably haven't seen this one it's just not as famous alex Proyas's dark city in fact some of the rooftop sets from the opening of the film are leftover sets from dark city a lot of the visual cues and even some of the costuming, I would say, is pulled from Dark City, which is very interesting. Also, Ghost in the Shell, Alan and I have reviewed that one. There is a lot of inspiration taken from Ghost in the Shell. We're talking about the original anime. We have reviewed all of the movies, but check, check out the original anime, which came out in 95, I believe. Um, also, Fight Club, 
This film competed with Fight Club at the Oscars, as I noted in your guide. Nevertheless, there is a lot, you know, of Fight Club has some, you know, nihilistic cynicism to it. But just kind of taking down the system, there's a lot to it as well. And a bonus recommendation is Jinro the Wolf Brigade. I had no idea that movie came out the same year as this one, but I do get a lot of those um, similar feelings of, you know, questioning the direction of society and our overlords, quote unquote, is found in the Wolf Brigade, another great anime. Well, it was actually just a little over four years later that The Matrix Reloaded hit theaters with a major punch. That film did crazy numbers at the box office, but you'll have to wait just a few more days, listeners, to find out why it took them four years to finally put out a sequel to an incredibly popular film. Usually, that that's not a good sign. That is a weird thing to happen. So we're going to dive in in your guide to The Matrix Reloaded, why it took them so long to get a sequel out. Well, listeners, the question after the show is, is The Matrix a modern classic? I'm going to say, yeah, I'm going to say it is a modern classic of cinema. It remains to be seen whether the sequels are that way. But in the meantime, send me an email, silverscreenguide95 at gmail.com. I will read your email and I will read your answers on the show so we can see, you know, what we all think of The Matrix. I think I think I know what a lot of you are going to say. But nevertheless, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already subscribed. Share this with your friends and family. We love talking about movies and we love talking about them with you. And no matter where you're listening, give us five stars. It really does help us in the podcast rankings. And of course, listeners, I'm very excited. I will see you next week for The Matrix Reloaded. Hey listeners, it's Corbin. Don't forget to check out the exciting links in the description below that will connect you with more great movie reviews for your listening pleasure and our YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter page. And of course, our official website where you can read great articles and sign up for our free weekly newsletter. Also, if you want exclusive bonus content such as extra movie reviews, movie commentaries, and our thoughts on the latest movie news and trailers, plus more, then check out our Patreon page. It's a great way to help keep this show free, and it gives you great content that's yours to keep. All of that and more is found in the description below. Don't forget to subscribe whether you're on YouTube, Apple, Google, or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast service. And while you're at it, please leave us a five-star review so other movie lovers can more easily find our podcast. We love talking about movies, and we love talking about them with you. So don't forget to share with your friends and family, and we'll see you next week, listeners. The Silver Screen Guide podcast is edited and produced by Alan and Corbin. Intro and outro music is created by Thomas Rankin. The thoughts and opinions herein expressed are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those held by Silver Screen Guide. Silver Screen Guide is not affiliated with any company or individual involved with the creation of this movie or TV show. No portion of the podcast may be used without express written permission from Silver Screen Guide.